On this episode of the NES Experience, we discuss the right age to start training for athletics for kids. That's right, we're talking youths. And speaking of youths, my ancestors were actually coal miners in Scranton, Pennsylvania in their youth. So, uh, could be worse, I guess. And after that, we get into an NES athlete update from the holidays and Ned's favorite Christmas gift. We hope you enjoy this episode. And we would appreciate it if you would like and subscribe to our podcast and maybe leave a review if you feel so inclined. Uh, Would really appreciate it. And we hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back to the first episode of the NES Experience of 2023. We had a New Year's resolution that 2023 would be the first year that we put up videos for the NES Experience. And in keeping with traditions of New Year's resolutions, Ned's camera won't work, so we won't be able to keep ours. For our main topic today, we are going to be talking about the best time to start lifting weights, which is... Usually a, a big hot topic whenever you're, you're a parent or you're a 12-year-old, 13-year-old. Sometimes it's even, you know, you got some young kids as young as like 10 or 11 want to wanna lift and stuff. So you got, you got some crazy things. I actually know a 6-year-old who is obsessed with training and, you know, working out and all this stuff, trying to be a quarterback. And we're not going to name names, but, uh, geez, not... Uh, not doing so hot right now. Not not too great. He, he, is, he has grown. He is six. He's not six anymore. Oh, okay. He's not six anymore. Jesus, no, he's, he? he's an adult. Oh. Well, yeah, he's in college. All right, so no. it all played out. What was the, What's the end result? He made it to college. I mean, a lot of people make it to college. Is he a quarterback? I, I guess. Well, yeah... Uh, yeah, I guess good for him. So kudos. Um, moving on, lifting weights. So, yeah, you want to tell the people when they should start lifting weights, Ned? <laughs> no problem. I guess I was supposed to agree with you with that. Uh, with that last point. Um, so uh, there's a lot of misinformation as far as I get it all the time. Basically, anyone that's even though I really start training people at 14. Um, what ends up happening now is I'm getting a rash of like 12, 13 year olds, like high level 12, 13 year olds who want to specialize, which I usually don't necessarily agree with, but, uh, if the kid's kind of dead set on doing it, then let's roll. But for them and all I get, so they want to get the competitive advantage. And, you know, the first thing that comes out of their mouth is, you know, I heard weightlifting isn't good for athletes. And the answer is it is. The reason why you're hearing stories is a blend of misinformation and the fact that our field isn't regulated or governed. So you in in social media. So, you know, should you be six years old to ten years old and you know lifting heavy weights? You know, like heavy back squatting, spinal compression, things like that. Absolutely not. But what is happening is people that don't know what they're doing are doing the wrong things with younger athletes. 
and that makes all the people that do the correct things look bad. So when I was at Velocity, this was my 2005, 2009 days, um, because of the nature of the business, we had to train a whole bunch of athletes, and we had a youth group, and the youth group was the ages of uh, 7 to 10, and there was one-hour sessions, and they did, you know, three times a week, Uh, but seven turned into six because of the unproven business model of, of the business, which... Hell, I think one point in time we were in a room talking about a five-year-old starting. So, you know, the 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 performance facilities who need to pay their their rent off are going to tell you that yeah, you can start as soon as five. Now, what I notice is it's not so much the physical part of it that you know that you is is safe, but it's you, you the earlier you start, then there's the risk of burnout. You have maturity issues. I mean. Some of the kids, if they weren't mature enough, it turned into over-glorified babysitting. So, um, it is, if I had to pick an age, we'll use my kids. I'm probably going to start them, I mean, they're doing a little stuff now, but just for videos, they're mainly push-ups for my back, or during COVID, I used them a lot for weights, like they would jump on my back and I would do squats. Um, but as far as them specifically training... You know, 10 years old is when I'm going to probably start to integrate stuff. And the answer is you can start at a younger age, but how do you do it the right way so that you, you know, don't hurt them and how do you make it safe? Um, So let me ask you this question. Let's say you got a 10-year-old boy. Would you allow him, do you think it would be okay for him to do push-ups? Yeah, I think push-ups are okay. Okay, and the answer is that is completely safe. Now, if you look at the how hard it is to do a push-up, you've done a push-up before. Um, that's weight. So that did you know that doing push-ups is lifting weights? Like it's training. It's it's you actually. If I took the same, if I took a ten-year-old and had him do a dumbbell bench with I don't know fifteen-pound dumbbells. His muscles are going to work hard. That's weightlifting. You have to agree with me that that's weightlifting. He is going to use less muscle effort to do that than to do a bodyweight push-up. It is harder on that 10-year-old's chest for him to do a push-up than it is to do, you know, a barbell bench with like 25 pounds. And, and those things are lifting weight. So if it's safer to do a push-up, then it would be safe to do, you know, a 15-pound dumbbell. Now, I don't do dumbbell work with them in the beginning because what I want them to learn how to do first is use their own body weight. So push-ups, we do that. Pull-ups, there's you'll they'll use more effort doing a pull-up than they will like a one-arm row or a seated row. And pull-up, nobody argues about pull-ups. Those things are okay. Um... The core can be addressed, so any core strengthening, we'll focus on that. Posterior chain strength. So we do a lot of physical therapy, um, preventative exercises for youth to start to activate you know, muscles. We use bands. Bands are a form of weight, and that's okay. Um, you know, plyometrics. So let me ask you this. If a kid runs in the park during recess, is that safe? Or if they play hopscotch, 
that's you would be fine with that, right? You know, I think in today's America, some people may not be okay with it, but personally, I'm okay with it. Great. What difference does it make if they're playing hopscotch or if they're in-house doing an agility ladder or, you know, jumping over multi-hurdles or jumping onto a box? So, you know, plyometrics is goes into the... That's why we call it, what do you think about lifting weights? Like, using that term, that's, that's really what it's... It's how do I improve the performance of my young athlete? And lift the lifting weights component is 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 a small part of kind of everything else you're supposed to do but i'm throwing in push-ups pull-ups core physical therapy all of these things it's it's just not your classical bench squat deadlift clean um we have training bars which are 15 pounds so if i had somebody that young and they're doing a long-term plan yes by the time after they've done a base program to improve their strength to body weight ratio and build their aerobic capacity, yes, I'm going to have them start using a training bar. So is it safe for athletes to lift weights? Yes, when we're doing it the right way. Um, med ball work, we do a lot with that. You know, that's that's a weight that's lifted, all right? And then flexibility and mobility. Um, kids start flexible. If you look at little kids, they're like little mini Mr. Fantastics if for your comic guy. And then what happens is kids start really flexible and then year after year after year of their sport, they start to become inflexible. So, you know, teaching them that at a young age, one of the best ways to get faster is to have more ability and flexibility. So by, you know, doing a lot of that work at a young age, you're setting yourself up and you're going to minimize what happens when you're 15 and you come out of it. And you have lower back pain and knee pain and all these different joint issues, partially because, you know, you have restrictions as far as your flexibility and mobility. So basically build the base first. And then after you do that, then yes, we're lifting lightweight. If you, when you start to to lift weights, if you're going to do barbell loaded work, you're trying to do, you know, high volume, low intensity. So 15 reps, 20 reps with the super lightweight, once again, working on that uh, aerobic capacity and repetition. And the goal of these of this weightlifting is teaching them how to do things the right way, improving their kinesthetic awareness, their body ability, ability to understand, you know, how their joint angles are in space. Those are things that you want to do. And then after a block of that, then yes, we're ready to add more weight, but the problem comes with doing super heavy weight, you know, or trying to look a specific way, like that little kid that was looked like He-Man at like eight years old, and they have these, you know, it's, it's social media, so you'll get the little kids crossfitting at four, and when you go into extremes like that, didn't help that I said crossfit, but, you know, that stuff I don't really support, but if you're going to somebody that knows what they're doing and progresses it slowly, it's 100% uh, safe. So, Yeah. Is there any kind of truth to any of the myths like weightlifting will stunt your growth if you start at a certain age? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I think it could. In order to do that, it, yes, it would be heavy spinal compression things at a super young age with a whole bunch of weight, nothing monitored, excessive volume if you train a five-year-old like a you know college kid 
and have him do that type of workout, then I would say that probably could happen. But I don't want to say there's a common sense button, but if it don't if it doesn't look right, it's probably not right. So I think if you go in extremes, then you can have problems, but uh, that's why you don't give your kids to random guys that want to charge you, you know, 15 sessions for $150 and we're doing a six week agility or strength program and you go in there and if it doesn't look right, if they're, you know, using heavier weights or if their form doesn't look good, this with the internet, you should know what looks good and what doesn't. Are their angles flat? Are they rounded? If it doesn't look right, then it's probably not. But so, yeah, I would say you could, it could stunt your growth, but I mean, what the hell are you doing letting your children go to that level? So, Gotcha. That makes sense. It, it really does take, I mean, just common sense to realize when you're starting off doing something, especially when you're young, forms the most important thing and learning how to do it right. That way there's less risk of injury and stuff, especially when you do start to, you know, advance and put on weight and, you know, just start doing more things so kind of once that hormone surge you know puberty kind of hits is that when you can kind of start to increase the load more yeah so the way that you train someone before they hit puberty versus when puberty starts or is you know kicked in not fully but at least somewhat um because you're not Doing heavy lifting, like trying to get, be like, all right, he's seven, got to get him huge. He can't get huge. He can't get huge because he hasn't went through puberty and he hasn't had a hormone surge. Testosterone and growth hormone, those are the things that allows people to get bigger. So until you have nature come along, you're going to have minimal benefit. So it's completely pointless to try. You can't be super strong if you have no muscle and you can't build muscle if you don't have hormones. So you gotta, that's not the focus until they hit puberty. Then you get your home hormone surge. Then you start, you know, and they have a base, then you can jump right in and start lifting heavier weights. And now you'll know how to do it the right way. You won't have the mobility issues that you would have done if you would have just not done anything for however many years. You're set, you have the core strength to be able to do the base fundamental lifts uh, in a safe manner. You have the, the posterior chain strength to stabilize your spine. So we're building the foundation without lifting heavy weights or without lifting weights so that when you do, you'll go right into it and you're going to, you won't have to spend that learning curve. We won't have to spend the time fixing all the problems or in over or strengthening the underdeveloped muscles they'll already kind of be in in line and it'll work out pretty well. Awesome stuff. I think that pretty much does it for that part of our, our podcast. And Ned has a little update for, uh, for an NES athlete from over the holidays. Isn't that right, Ned? Yeah, I do. It's not going to be a great uh, update, but this is the game of life. So one of my athletes came in, we'll leave his name... Uh, left out of this and he came in it's the new year looking a little fluffy so I have this weird ability to basically know everything based off of how people look 
the adjustments that they have because of things that they do over the weekend or over a longer period of time. So I, I know if people eat Chinese food the night before or if somebody's been excessively drinking all by their appearance and what they should like and what they don't look like from a day-to-day basis. It's pretty creepy, uh, but unfortunately that's one of my gifts I've been given in life. So this kid's look a little fluffy, so I'm like, hey, go way in. Mad. And I noticed he was on the way up. You know, it's not like it was a one-day thing, but I think it could have been. I know a lot more when it's like the holiday or I haven't seen him for like a clip for like a week or so. So I'm like, get on the scale. So he gets on the scale. I'm busy coaching, doing whatever. Uh, and then right before the end of the, the session, I see his ass walk out. He's on his way to walk out. All right, Ned. I'm like, text me your way in. Text me the way in. And it was, uh, it was not what I thought it was. I'm like, there's no way that he's 134.8. So I was like, get over here, get on the scale. He's like, oh, I got to go. Get on the scale. Gets on the scale. Motherfucker lied to me. 140 pounds. And I was like, damn it. And then he puts his head down, starts kicking rocks, looking like his dog died. I'm like, why'd you lie to me? I don't know. So basically, I had to threaten the kid, and I said, you have two weeks, uh, and if you don't cr- cut the shit and fix the problem, I'm going to tell your father. So once again, because I'm cool Ned, covering for him. So basically, then I went home, and then I had to start doing research, so I was like, how does this happen? Because this kid, he's 14 years old, he trains three times a week for an hour and a half a day, and he plays basketball on basically all four other days where you burn hundreds of calories every day. He's getting activity six days a week. Uh, You know, the scale weight, and I noticed basically right around Thanksgiving, um, that's when the weight gain started. And I was just, the numbers don't add up. So then I had to go into research mode. So I talked to the parents, and it's like, what is he doing? What's changed? And they're like, oh, no, he eats rice cakes, you know, in front of me. And we went to a football that was Steelers game, and, you know, he was like, no, Dad, I want water. I don't want soda. So the so either the kid's playing the game and just working us like cheap hookers, or something else is going on. So then I start to talk to the mom, and she said, well, the only thing, you know, that's really changed since Thanksgiving is... He drinks, and this is where I would, do you say the name of the place? Do you not say the name of the place? But he goes to and gets a strawberry acai, saying it wrong, refresher with extra berries. So this drink, after I hear this, and I'm like, well, it has to be, you know, it's from this specific place that's known for high quality ingredients. You know, it's not like he's getting it from McDonald's. So I go online and start doing some quick math and not netology, just basic math. So I took this specific 26 ounce drink and he puts, he makes a two substitutions. So he adds something and he gets extra blank with it. And... I add it all up, and the end result is this drink that he drinks every single day has 70 grams of sugar in it. And that's about, if you don't know uh, how much 70 grams, it's about six tablespoons of sugar, so get a tablespoon out, start scooping, 
So you multiply this by seven. Once again, not netology. I believe there's seven days in a week. Uh, and, and seven times 70 is 490 grams of sugar. And for those of you that don't know, there's 454 grams of sugar in a pound. So basically he's taking in one full pound of sugar. Yes, but it's healthy sugars. Don't care. 490 grams of sugar a week by, you know, pounding these things. And uh, that's pretty crazy. Agree? Yeah, 70 grams of sugar is just an insane amount of sugar. I know we had talked in the past about another uh, place. And they had a drink, a large caramel iced coffee that I always used to get. And it was four tablespoons of sugar. And that's uh, a little bit more than your daily value of, of sugar for the day. So that's... A fuck ton of sugar. I do believe you were one of the people that were addicted to the large caramel swirl uh, coffee from Dunkin' Donuts, which has... I can't get sued for this because a large caramel swirl has 51 grams of sugar. You can look it up if you want, but 51 grams of sugar, it has more sugar than a king-size snicker. So... Once again, I feel like people don't know this, and you have to watch out. So when I was in the session, I took the sugar the sugar drink, and uh, I mean, in other news, when I was trying to do all this stuff, I went to the store, and I, well, the place, and I bought his drink, and then I bought like a base down, a dummy down base model of the drink, and the base model was, you know pretty good so i didn't even taste the the sugar trap i gave that to one of my skinny athletes who's trying to gain weight so and i then told all of my athletes trying to gain weight that they need to start implementing this disastrous drink in their training for weight gain like my super metabolic freak athletes so yeah pretty disappointing and needless to say we're trying to make these adjustments for him to figure the problem out to you know get rid of the excess weight so he is not allowed to have the strawberry acai refresher with extra berries so yeah no good i feel like that's a tough one too because if he's really and i mean there's no reason not to believe him turning down the the soda at Steelers games and getting water instead. That's just a sneaky way to digest 70 grams of sugar. And do you think that he would do it if he knew that it has more 20 grams more sugar than a Fanta orange or grape or a Mountain Dew? Uh, pick all those weird new Mountain Dews that they've somehow pumped more sugar into them a can of the worst mountain dew on earth is like 47 48 grams whereas your standard can of 12 ounce soda is you know 12 ounces and and volume and it's you know 40 grams of sugar so that is that is it is literally worse than drinking soda which we know the number one way to lose weight if you are currently drinking regular sodas you get up so Guaranteed you'll lose 15 pounds if you currently drink multiple regular sodas a day. It's one of the first things that I tell people. 
if they're trying to lose weight. Just make one adjustment. Literally, I'll only make one singular adjustment. Eat, a, eat exactly how you normally eat. Just take out that. And it's manageable for people because they still get to, you know, eat fun stuff and they're not changing too much. So it's my one of my cheat codes for adults or overweight athletes that need to get leaner. Soda should be legal. Yeah, that was my biggest problem is I never drank soda and I was, uh, I had to lose weight so I could never use that cheat code. It was always disappointing. But if I did drink soda... I would have uh, definitely been a lineman. Uh, Mountain Dew Code Red. Never had it my entire life. I've heard it was, you know, people drink it all the time. Could never do it. But speaking of Code Reds, have you ever pulled any Code Reds on your clients when it comes to food they're not allowed to have? Uh, Well, here at NES, we sometimes go across the normal boundaries that people would, would go. But, yeah, one... One example, I guess, this would go into this category, would be I was doing nutritional counseling education, nutritional education, for one of my adult clients years ago. And when I get these cases, I mean, at the end of the day, part of the reason why uh, I get results is because it's by whatever means necessary. So we're going through and we're, we're tracking her sleep and her hormone levels and we're looking at her spacing for her food and what types of food she's taking in <clears throat> and her hydration. And does she do need to do more cardio? Uh, is the stress going on in her life impacting? So there's, and boy, everything was clean as, you, as can be. And I'm like, shit doesn't add up. She's gaining weight. She's, it was a similar situation. But when I went over everything with her, it seems to be that everything was, you know, being done the way that it should. So there at some point in time I was like all right the jig is up I got to I got to see what's going on at the house so I ended up going over to her house and most people would be like god that's creepy but I have a relationship with my clients to where you know it is not that weird to kind of go over there but <clears throat> I kind of pitched it like oh I was in the area just stopping in and then she was like oh hey had no idea so she was like, hey, can I get you something to drink? I'm like, yeah, no problem. So I just followed her right into the kitchen, and then I just started opening doors. So I ransacked her kitchen. I'm pulling out Doritos and Fritos and sour cream and onion dip and just straight garbage. And I know all the spots because I lived in a household where my mother would hide food from my father and you you know you don't hide the good stuff. I take the garbage. I start picking the garbage out. You know all the bad stuff is in the bottom of the garbage. So if somebody comes in, who would ever go through garbage, you know, to see? But we all know if you've ever been fat or plump or husky, um, you know you you get you you got to do a little bit of due diligence. And the end result is you put the stuff at the bottom of the garbage can. So I'm pulling out empty boxes and granola bars and. The end result is she kicked me out of the house and motherfucked me, and uh, and I lost her as a client, but uh, I don't really care because she doesn't understand the amount of hours and time that I put into her to try and help her problem when the end result was she was a binge eater, closet eater. So she can go pound sand. Uh, really, I should have gotten a thank you. 
and an apology for wasting my time and lying to me about the things that you were taking in. So uh, after that experiment, I was like, all right, so now I have other people do my dirty work. So I had another kid, Meaty, household favorite. So Meaty's on the, on the weight gain. I can say his name because the kids don't listen to my podcast, so that's great. And I train him and his brother. Meaty's on the upswing looking puffy. And I was like, I'm like, something's going on. He's the same shit. It's like, numbers don't lie. Nothing makes sense. I said, go, go ramsack his room when he's not home. I said, look in the closets, look underneath the bed. I said, check the bottom of the garbage can. And uh, so we go in there. <laughs> the kid puts the video on to give me like play by play. And he shows him searching around. And he digs at the bottom of the garbage can. Two family-sized boxes of Lucky Charms, which is somewhere around, I don't know, 25 to 27 bowls of Lucky Charms. So we got a timestamp from the mom. The mom says that she bought it on Monday after school, so that would have been about 3.30. So between Monday at 3.30 and Wednesday night when we did the, the covert operation, he somehow managed to throw down 27 bowls of Lucky Charms in 48 hours. Thousands and thousands and thousands of calories. And there is a four rack of saltines under his bed. Liquid sugar. So, busted. That's pretty brutal. Uh, I gotta be honest. If you had ever come over my house and ransacked my kitchen and found all that stuff, I'd probably just sit there and start crying. Um, But instead of doing that, I listened to you, learned how to cook, and... Uh, I eat a lot of bison now because bison's healthy, almost like chicken. So, yeah, you just got to keep going and making improvements. So, speaking of improvements, is there anything you can kind of like substitute for the uh, 70 gram sugar drink from that place instead of getting that thing? Yes, uh, this would be our unpaid plug for... Uh, Cafe Latte Premier Protein. Um, this is basically your standard protein shakes, but, but they are protein shake, but they work caffeine into it. So you get 75 milligrams of caffeine with your protein. It tastes delicious. It only has one or two grams of sugar, which means there's probably some artificial sweeteners in there. Don't care. Um, but it tastes amazing. They make them in a bottled form, but because of you know, COVID, because people are going to blame everything on COVID until we die. Uh, they're like $4 or 350 for a bottle, but the company makes a powdered version, which so it's just like a can of whey protein, like a protein shake. And that is, makes it so it's under a dollar for a drink. So my recommendation is you make coffee from home and because that is way cheaper. That is 70 cents for your coffee as opposed to 3 to $4. And take a scoop of your premier or two scoops of premier protein. So basically you're getting your morning protein and your caffeine. Um, And then depending on what you're trying to do, if you're an adult trying to do some intermittent fasting, that's the only thing you'll have in the morning. Or you could take this and you can pair it with, you know, a carb um, to, to make. Although I don't recommend protein shakes for breakfast as a standalone protein, but in this case... Um, you can get away with it. So, but also it's adult versus, you know, athlete. Athletes need to have more pure 
home cooked real food meal breakfasts than you know NARP parents who just need to lose some weight and wake up. So yes, cafe latte, premier protein. Uh, you can get it off Amazon. Who doesn't pay me any money for this? But big fan. Fantastic stuff. So that's going to do it for our episode. Uh, before we wind up heading out, just wanted to ask you, Ned, is there any you know, special gift you got this Christmas that you were super excited about? Um, I got my wife a stim machine, uh, a TENS unit. So I was, I was more kind of excited maybe for her gift but now that you caught me off guard what was the gift that i was excited about was that it but i i'm i i don't i don't know i i don't know what what you got i was just asking oh i thought you knew well you didn't get me anything so no i mean well you didn't get me anything either so that's that's a good point we had an, had a, a discussion of an exchange of gifts. I was just curious. I I got a, uh, you know, one of those like little putting mat things. They you practice oh. your putting. So yeah, I, ooh, be on the lookout for me on the links this year. I've gotten I got one of those a couple years ago, an NES one with NES on the bottom of it. <clears throat> and uh, the problem is right now it's hard to find where to put it in the house. But uh, no, those are those are good stress relievers. And it did improve my putting game, at least in my house. I don't know how much it transferred over to the golf course. But the answer is, I got many, many wonderful gifts. And there's so many. And I believe that they were all equally great. And it just wouldn't be fair to any of the other presents to pick one specific present that was the best. Outside of my wife's TENS unit that I want, that I use now. I guess uh, that'll do it for us at the NES Experience. We will see you guys in two weeks. <laughs>